a series today called Unstuck. I was going to call it several different things. I was going to call it Three Days and Three Nights. I was going to call it uh, Six Steps to Being Seated. I was going to call it all this cool stuff. And, and, and it's really all it comes down to is do you ever really get tired of hearing words and hearing faith and hearing all those things? But it seems like you always just get to this level and it just stops. And is there more to Christianity than this or is this it? You ever get there or is it just me? Well, there, there's a pattern in my life that uh, I noticed early on in my Christianity. And every time that I settle into that pattern for every area and anything that's going on, and I work through it the right way, it always works out for my good. Every single time. Y'all want to know what that is? It's going to take me six weeks to teach you. So I hope y'all ready. But this is how it works. When Jesus, and we just came out of Easter, so this is everybody's thinking about the resurrection. But before we get there, there are six things that have to happen. Every situation in your life, whether it be your finances, your physical body, your marriage, or your problems, or, or your mindset, and you know all these different things, it all starts right here. First, of all, first things first, it has to be crucified. That problem has to be crucified. Uh, the second thing is, once it's crucified, it has to die. The third thing is, after it dies, it has to be buried. And after it's buried, it becomes quickened. You'll read all these in, in the Easter, all the Easter scriptures. And then uh, it goes over into alive and resurrection and all these wonderful things. We're not on the last part yet. We've got to deal with the first three. See, because when we deal with being seated, and I'm going I'm to give you a lot of scripture today, and I'm going to lay a big foundation because we're going to go fast over the next few weeks. But I want you to walk out of here knowing that in every situation you can win. Now, I ain't just talking about, bless God, you win because you, you, you in grace. No, no, that's a grace Pharisee. We ain't talking about that mess today. I'm talking about there is action that has to go with your Christianity, faith that goes into action that gets you in victory, and that's what we want. Amen? So, if you take the six steps of these different things, what you have to understand is once you're crucified, then dead, then buried, then quickened, uh, then resurrected, and, and then, uh, 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 then life, um, you know, all these different things happen, but they happen in steps because there's in everywhere in the word where you read that there is a throne that signifies the kingdom of God, you will read that there is six steps to that throne everywhere. Check it out in Ezekiel, check it out in, uh, in, in all the Old Testament books, you'll, you'll see that there was predominantly six steps. The reason being is you had to go through these six steps every single time to get where you need to be. Now, I'm laying a heavy foundation, but we're going to get there. The first three steps, and that's what we're going to deal the most with the over the next few weeks. Crucified, death, and buried. Those things deal with you, your physical body, whatever it is you're dealing with, your struggles, whatever it is you're going on with. Those are the things that deal with who you are. Then when you get over into quickened, raised, resurrected, those are your spiritual person. That's who you're supposed to be. Because what we're doing is we're getting over into a resurrection mindset, but we're staying in what kept us in death. And we're trying to subvert steps to get to victory. And we said, listen, let me tell you something. I am a word of faith man. I believe your word should be correct. I believe the things that you release should be of God. I believe all that. But it can't just be stuff that you recite. It's got to be in you. You've got to be resurrected and alive to that stuff or it's just not going to work for you. You can't live off good preaching. You have to live off good word. Amen. So I want to take you into some things today. And I really want you to see this. 
Go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 30, verse 21. We're going to read in the King James mostly today. If we change, I'll tell you. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Isaiah, chapter 30, verse 21. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right and and when ye turn to the left. Now, I can preach a message on listening to God and all that, but here's the thing. In thine ears you shall hear a word behind thee. Now, when you really break this down, this is actually talking about being misled if you read the full Psalms. But it's talking about what is trying, listen now, what is trying to cause you problems is already behind you. You just keep listening to it. See, when you decided that you were going to listen to Jesus, when you decided that you were going to accept, you had to understand that your quality of life is not what, listen to me now, your quality of life is not what Jesus is going to do for you in the future. But it has everything to do with what he did for you in the past. See, this is not about your future. I I, I praise God that y'all got bright futures ahead of you. But you do realize that your future is not really what you think it is. Because here's the thing. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm going to get ahead of myself. All right, I can feel it. I, y'all feel y'all pulling at me. Let, let me get this foundation laid real quick. Psalms 23, verse 5. I want to show, oh, Lord, I love this scripture because people misunderstand it. Psalms 23, verse 5. Y'all have all heard this. So listen, listen, listen. There, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine en- enemies, and thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. When we preach that, and we shout, and we run, and we have a good time. Amen? Can, can I just, we, we think that's very futuristic. Oh, that's in heaven. And Oh, my God. Listen, let me show you something. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. There will be no enemies in heaven. That's right now, baby. Why are you losing? You got to understand you were not designed to lose. We choose it. We weren't designed to be behind in this thing. But what we've done is we've gotten over into even us word of faith people who think we know more than everybody else. We get over into this mindset that if we just say it enough, it'll happen. You've got to have it in you. You've got to become the word. You've got to accept that when crucifixion happened. Oh, here we go. When you got to accept that in step one, crucifixion, when Christ was crucified, you were crucified. Y'all see this? It wasn't that he was crucified for you. He was crucified with you. Because if one price had to be paid, why are you paying it now? How many of y'all don't raise your hand? But you're guilty of saying things, and some of y'all have been changed and that's wonderful but at times something will happen and you'll Lord I must not I shouldn't have done that or God's getting me or if I'd have done this I'm in, I must have messed up Some, and we just begin to put all this guesswork in to the Holy Spirit punishing us is it just me let me explain something to you punishment was paid the punishment is over it's done with it was crucified which means it hung on the cross with Jesus. Which means whatever you're being punished, you feel like you're being punished with, if you will take a big step back 
and take your flesh and your emotions out of it, you will see what's really going on and where you've placed yourself in a situation to where you may be listening to the wrong people or the wrong words are working or, or you're saying the wrong things or you're allowing the wrong things in your life or you're around the wrong person or, or you're letting them put into you. And the truth is... What, what's really sad is that we can't crucify our flesh enough to not listen to people we shouldn't listen to. Your boss has more say than your pastor. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now listen, your money has more say than your God. Let's do it that way. Now here's the thing. John 17, verse 3. I got to lay this foundation that we can get into this. John 17, verse 3. Listen, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, speaking of Jesus, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Next verse. I have glorified thee on earth, and I have finished the work which you gave me to do. Now, if he was glorified on earth, then you're glorified on earth. Y'all, this is not going to be one of those real deep things today. See, I've learned... Can I just say some things and y'all not get mad at me? Everybody, and I've been guilty, we chase ministers and we chase anointings and we're always looking for the next great revelation. And we have no idea what the first revelation was. We have no idea the simplicity of the word and how it's really laid out. We don't understand. We think we've got to reach this holy place with God. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with intimacy and worship and loving on. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is you're missing the fact that you think you have to attain a place to walk in victory. Where you walk in victory as you're attaining the place. It's simultaneous. Prosper even as your soul prospers. So let me explain something to you. We miss all this because we see the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament. And we say, oh, God in heaven. But it was, it was gold and cherubims on the top and, and staves in the side and gold brass rings. And, and all those things are wonderful. But the Ark, which held God, was wood covered in what was precious. Oh, come on now. So you got to understand that even in the Old Testament, God was giving you a type and a shadow that in something very normal that grew out of this earth, he puts the essence of everything he is and covers it with his glory. That's you. That's you. Everywhere that box went, and that's all it was, was a pretty box. What's in it, what mattered. Everywhere that thing went, it prospered. Crops grew. Things happened. Now, I don't have to get over into how it was improperly used. I don't, I don't want to deal with that today because I'll get too far over into something I don't need to touch. But what you have to understand is in John 17, verse 3 and 4, put it back up there, Cameron, if you don't mind. This is the life, stop right there. This is the life eternal. I want, I want to really, mess. this has nothing to do with heaven. If you read this in the Hebrew, it says the heaven style of living. God in heaven. Oh, you just want, no, no, no. Hey, I want peace, man. Y'all want some peace? See, there's things in your life that have to be crucified. There are things y'all are hanging on to y'all got to let go of. That's what we're talking about today. There, I, I want to get you to the resurrection side and I want to get you so happy. But if you don't understand these first three steps, which you're dealing with your flesh, your spirit's never going to grow in the last three. Are y'all with me? So let's, let's finish laying this foundation. Genesis 
uh, 22 deals with Abraham and Isaac. You don't have to turn there. Y'all know the story. But Abraham takes Isaac. Now, let me, let, let me explain to you some misconceptions about this story. The story is that Abraham took his little boy. Some of y'all have little boys. I have little boys. That didn't know any better. Laid him down on the wood, was fixing to kill him, and hey, God had to stop him. And I, What y'all are missing is Isaac was 16, 17 to 18 years old. He could outrun that old man. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Y'all, I, I love typing shadows, so if I get off in it, April, give me the eyebrow. He laid down as an act of submission, which was the type of Jesus, on wood. Which is, anytime there's wood in the Bible, it represents the body. Because it's what carries the glory. He laid down, listen, I got to get it all out. The flesh laid on top of the glory to be sacrificed so the glory could take its place. So, now we know that, that he didn't have to sacrifice his son, that, that the angel stopped his hand. And then there was a ram in the thicket. But I want to tell you this. This will change your whole outlook on life if you'll just listen. You don't have to find yourself in a problem to already know there's provision. The provision's already there. You just have to be dumb enough to get in a problem before you ask for it. I don't mean that in, in a very, I don't, I don't mean that condescending, but think about it. If God can provide for you when you're in trouble, why do you always have to get in trouble? <laughs> because there's things in you that are kicking and trying to breathe and God's trying to get you to kill what he's trying to kill. But yet you have resurrection power in your mouth and you don't realize it and you're keeping it alive. And because you're covered in the blood of Jesus on this planet, you've been given full authority what you say is going to happen over what God's trying to say in you. My God in heaven, are y'all seeing this? You are giving life to things that God's trying to kill through you, but yet you will accept something because it's normal rather than supernatural. I'm tired of normal. My God in heaven, I'm tired of normal. Are y'all getting anything out of this? No one. I got I, I to gotta get all this out. Everybody in this room and everybody that's ever lived and everybody that's ever going to live, nobody ever missed judgment. When Jesus died, it was for all. We're going to get into that in just a minute. But here's the thing. Quit putting... All right, back to resurrection power. You are bringing judgment on yourself by releasing judgment. And you're bringing life to something that you were never called to bring life to. Are y'all getting this? I mean, really, I, 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 it's hard as a pastor, when I see the whole cake, I want to eat it all. And there's one little slice I got to deal with today. Because to, if I don't get y'all to understand, there, I don't, if you've got a vice with money, or if you've got a vice with lust, or, or women, or men, or whatever it is, or you've got a vice with power, or you've got a vice with control, or you've got a vice with, with uh, selfishness, whatever that thing is, that thing has to be crucified. Now listen, 
If, but pastor, you just said Jesus took it all. Yeah, he did. He did. And he gave you in that taking of it all the power to re-crucify it. But he also, because it's a double-edged sword and because he's a good God and he gave you a free moral agent, you also still have the spiritual power to resurrect it. So y'all crucifying stuff and calling it down. Crucifying and calling it down. And all you got to do is let it die. Listen, we say, oh, we'll just resist the devil and he'll flee. And then we do something like spiritual. You know how you resist the devil? You do what God wants you to do. The problem is, is we don't know what God wants us to do. Because we're too stuck over in this religious side of things. Well, I must have done something wrong because this is happening. You do realize that Jesus healed a blind man. And when people said to him, well, what did he do wrong to be born blind? Jesus kind of went, y'all just stupid. I mean, we can King James it up, but that's what he said. Y'all ignorant. Y'all don't know what you... Pre- now, listen... Is this okay? Are y- y'all okay? <laughs> Lord, help me. Help me get it all out the right way. I have learned in my life that crucifying is not easy, but it is necessary. I used to work out a lot. I know y'all are shocked by that. I heard people laugh. I used to work out like stupid. And... Uh, and at 42, I just don't care no more. I just don't care no more. And I have this VCR DVD combo at the house. It's actually, uh, I brought it here years ago, and I gave it to the church, but I needed it for something. I was going to get back into working out, and, and, I, and, and then Paige needed something in the back, and I, I found it, and I was going to bring it, and Gabriel goes, Dad, weren't you going to use that to work out? And I just had to laugh. Because I've crucified working out. It is dead. It is over. <laughs> What's your point? Here, I don't know. Listen. I guess I'm just defining my gut. I don't know. Listen. Here's the thing. Whatever vice it is you're dealing with, can, can I just, without offending you, let you know you're keeping it alive? Not the people around you? Because it's what you think about? And you're dumb enough to let them remind you of it. I'll just tell you real quick, y'all ain't going to remind me of my past. I'm just going to tell you, Jesus don't remember. Get behind me, Satan. Now, if he brings something up that is a remnant or a residue of my past that I have to crucify, that's fine. But it won't be you. Uh, Listen, if y'all get, well, pastor, that's just arrogant. No, some of y'all got to get some guts. Some of y'all got to be willing to stand up and fight and say, I don't have to live this way no more. Because the truth is, is you're living a life that you don't have to live. It's almost like, you ever seen, have you ever seen that TV show called Intervention? You ever seen that? April loves it. I'm not a fan of it just because I was a drug addict. We sit there and we watch that. And we see people who come from everything and have caused themselves to have nothing. Because they catered to one thing, their flesh. There is, no, there, is no, there is no way possible to get over into catering to the flesh and see victory in every area. There's just no way. There's things that have to be conquered. There have to be... Listen, when, when Isaac laid down on that altar, you think at 18 years old, even at 16, he didn't know what was about to happen? 
But he had enough trust for his father. He said, God will provide us a sacrifice. You think for one minute that Abraham, you think that he just made up his, I'm going to kill him. God, I'll gut him right now. You think there wasn't a battle going on? But in the very midst of grabbing a knife to kill his only, his firstborn son, or, or the, the son of promise, I should say, because he wasn't firstborn, but the, the son of promise that he didn't fight through and have to crucify before there was ever a crucifixion? There are things this time for you to lay down on the altar and just go ahead and kill. We are living in a day well, you heard me say it earlier, and I don't mean it in a, in a, in a negative way, but it, it is very negative. We're living in a day where uh, people have become grace Pharisees to where they've said, oh, I'm not under the law. No, no, Jesus said, I have come to perfect it, which means if you're living this thing right, the law becomes perfected in you because the law never touches you. But if you're always trying to justify what you're doing by being under grace, you're a grace Pharisee. I see I got friends. <laughs> you, God's not mad at you and, and much love man I'm not trying to bring judgment on you but you got to understand there's things in us we've got to crucify I'm living proof you're living proof we're walking around and we should be walking around as dead people let nothing but the spirit of God work through us every mess you've ever found yourself in has been because you let something have life Everything you've ever found yourself step over into, you, you let it come on to you because you, 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 you get over in this mindset. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Most people just, just daggum, I'm on sin. Those ain't the people I'm talking to. I'm talking to people who find themselves in bad situations. And if you will think back somewhere along the way, you started thinking God was judging you or somebody's mad at you or you did something wrong and it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew. And has it ever crossed your mind how when you read the Bible that in Genesis, God speaks of Satan as the serpent. But in Revelation, God speaks of Satan as the dragon. Who kept feeding him? You think God made him bigger? Think about it, y'all. Come on, this is the word that we've been taught our whole life, but we've been so religious. We've been Baptist and Methodist and Church of God and Pentecostal and Word of Faith that we, we didn't stop and listen to what God was saying about it. And we have to understand that because we're flesh people, that the flesh, which is our soul too, is where we're going to be attacked. You're not going to be attacked in your spirit. Your spirit is unattackable. But it can, be, it can be shut down by your soul. And you're standing over into things that God never asked you to stand into because you didn't crucify. We, listen, I'm, I'm so excited to get you over into the quickening and raising from the dead. I want you to get over into resurrection. But if I don't get you to understand, it doesn't matter if it's this one little thing. Put the spiritual time in to fix it. Because no matter how big your ministry gets, your business gets, your marriage gets, it's that one little thing that's going to show back up. And when, it's not going to be a serpent, it's going to be a dragon. Oh, come on, I'm preaching better than y'all talking to me. Listen, go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 31, Cameron. John chapter 12, verse 31. There we go. Now is this judgment of the world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out, verse 32. And if I be lifted up from the earth will draw all men unto me. We used to sing that at Living Word. If I be lifted up. Listen, here's the thing. We, we're interpreting that wrong. Oh, if, he, if he's lifted up. It is the cross because he's suspended between heaven and earth. 
But it's not the fact that because he went to the cross, we're supposed to glorify him and it'll draw men to the church. That works. But that's not what this says. The word men, you notice it's in whatever those are. In the, in the King James, it's italicized. We put that there. All you King James lovers, that's not supposed to be there. If I be lifted up from the earth, we'll draw all. Now, when you research that, you'll see that it's talking about all sin and hang-up came to him at that moment, which means it was crucified with him, which means you have the power to stop it. Your life is in your hands and in your mouth. Your life is in everything that you choose. There is nobody that has control over you. Well, pastor, I disagree. God's in control. Oh, Jesus. That if, if I have a hated statement, it's God's in control. Because if God's in so much control, why did it take you 20 years to get saved? If God's in control, why, why are babies being molested today? If God's in control, why is the government taking all your money? If God's in control. Because, well, you know, God uses that to, uh, to fix us. No, no, it's the goodness of God that draws man to repentance. <laughs> it's not the judgment of God. It's the goodness of God. That, let me tell you something. You ever been around that person that you've treated like complete dirt and they just loved you? No, I guess not. I have. She's right there. And, and what you do is you, you may be loud and boisterous and run your mouth, but really somewhere on the inside of you, you're being sliced and diced up. Because how can they keep loving me? Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Raised so many people from the dead. I documented, walked up in a, in a funeral home and snatched them out of the coffin. I mean, that's real, y'all. Y'all just documented. People that were unsaved wrote that down, right? <laughs> they did newspaper stories on the guy because they thought he was like a, a death terrorist. Yeah, he was. He was after death. Anyway, he was a plumber before he got into the ministry. Hard drinking, hard cussing, hard smoking plumber. Horrible person. So there's hope for you, Adam. <laughs> he, I'm just playing. He's a great plumber. Called him. Anyway, I get 10%, by the way. Um, where was I at? Smith Wigglesworth. <laughs> Talked to his wife like she was a dog. Treated her horribly bad. I don't know if he was physically abusive, but I know he was verbally abusive. To the point that he locked her out on the back porch, freezing cold outside. All night long. Opened the door the next morning. You know what she did? She went in and cooked breakfast for him. You know what April Bailey would have done? Come on. I got bacon for you. <laughs> but he, hey. But she loved him. You can't love a person like that in your flesh. You have to do it through your spirit. She crucified something in her that could have sat there all night long and stewed in her own juices. But she realized this was on the cross. I don't have to be this way. So rather than looking out and being angry, she probably looked at the stars and thought about creation and how good he is. She probably thought about how there will come a day that when she's in heaven, she'll be able to understand how all this happened. I don't know what she was thinking, but that very well could have been part of it. 
But here's the thing. Your problems are not everybody else's problems. Let me take it one step further. They're really not even your problems. They were hung on a cross. He drew all. Do y'all see that? He drew all. Which means, if let me tell you something. Let, let me give you a little window into control. God may not be in control, but when Jesus says, I'm drawing them all, they all coming. They don't have a choice. But because you are covered in the blood of Jesus and given resurrection power, you're raising these things up and putting them back in your life. There is an exact opposite thing that happens in the spirit realm. While you're crucifying something, death is taking place in the spirit realm also. But while you're resurrecting something, death is taking place. See, it never changes its character. When you're resurrecting an old problem, you're resurrecting death. Period. Y'all see that? Or you have a choice to resurrect the life of Jesus. The blessing of God. The fullness of what he's called. And to walk in the goodness that draws men to repentance. What you got to understand is if you, can, if you could just accept that God's not out to punish you. If you can accept that you, well pastor you just don't know what I've been through. Listen, I don't mean to sound ugly. I really don't. But between my life and her life, there ain't much y'all going to bring to the table we don't know about. Well, you know, you're just a preacher. Promise you, you have no idea who I used to be. Promise you. My mother-in-law said, amen, praise the Lord. She knows. <laughs> but here's the thing. Whining about it is not winning. Even when I was in the world and come into this thing and was struggling to understand who I was and my identity, I never whined about it. I know God gave me an option to win. All I got to do is choose it. Now, let's, let's, let's try to move forward in this just a little bit. Ephesians 2 and 6. Ephesians 2 and 6. He's raised us up together. Now, this is back to all. He's raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is the end result. Because if you're seated in heavenly places, you're, you, you have accepted your royalty. See, people can't handle this kind of preaching because they want the royalty, but they don't want to crucify. You're never going to get to the royalty without the crucifixion. That's why I just really get frustrated with today's preaching. Well, God is love. Yes, he is. But love crucified somebody. And you've got to accept that. There has to be a death. There has to be a changing. See, because what happens in death, you step over into the fact that, oh, I've crucified it. It's got to die. Well, when it begins to die, it must deteriorate. It must go away. It must. But here's the thing. The more you think that it's dead and then you begin to talk about it like it's real, you're putting life back into it. Let me explain this to you. When, 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 when God talks about the valley of the dry bones and they throw the body of the prophet in on top of a soldier, on the bones of a soldier, the prophet and uh, the soldier comes out alive. Now, I don't have time to break it down for you, but do you know the process that had to happen for bones to become a person? 
You remember that every ant, you have to understand that every animal that ever ate a piece of that, that had to come out and come back together, had to crawl back to him. Oh, it's just like a great movie. But that had to happen. And as that body came back together and that soldier came out of the cave alive who had been dead, he was deteriorating, but yet he come out whole, ready to fight again. That is a signification of what will happen to you spiritually on both sides. The minute you put your resurrection tongue on something dead, life comes back into it. And every little piece that you thought was gone begins to come back and begins to attach to you again. Do y'all see this? Listen, I know we've been having fun the last several weeks, but today is my job to pastor you because I want to see you win. I don't want to see y'all coming in here struggling with finances. I, want to, I don't want to see y'all so bound up that, that with past hurts and pains that you can't lift your hands and worship your God. I don't want to see you so hurt and worried about things. Do you understand that your worry is just like your faith and it's still bringing things to you? I am anti-worry. My wife will tell you, I don't worry about nothing. She gets so mad at me for not worrying. That don't bother you? Nope. Now, I'm not saying that I've beat everything because I get frustrated real easy sometimes. I've overcome in that. But here's the thing. Worry to me makes no sense because it ain't going to fix nothing. It's just going to make us fight. So I'll let her do all that. And she'll crucify that when she's ready. I'm just playing. She's, she's actually, my wife is so much different. I remember when we first got into ministry, we started in my living room, which is about the size of this right here. And, uh, it was me and you and the kids and Sherry and Donnie. That was it, wasn't it? Wasn't that it? We had one youth. Anyway, so we were here, and because it, you got to understand, when you start a church in your home, you've just married two worlds. And we had all of two services before April said, that's it. You're either quitting ministry or I'm quitting you. That's just, that was it. And now, I'm just, now I want to tell you something. I want to tell you about speaking life rather than being judgmental about your situation. I looked her in the face and I got real stern and I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and I jumped in the car. I jumped in my, as in my old white truck and I drove and I got me a sandwich from Subway. And I sat out in the parking lot at, uh, it's Marvin's now. It was before they built that part on. I just sat in that park. You know where the park, uh, those of you who've been here a while, you know where the people would just drive off and their car would disappear and then come back, that parking lot? Yeah, that one. <laughs> Jason knows what I'm talking about. I was sitting there and I was eating my sandwich and I'm throwing a fit on God. You ever threw a fit on God? Oh, I was calling God all kind of names. And Jehovah wasn't one of them. And, uh, and I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me so softly. And he said, what do you want? Same thing he did when we were coming back from Texas. I said, God, I know you've called me to do something in this area. I know. I don't know how to do this. I still find myself saying that to God a lot now. But I said, I can't keep doing this in my living room. Then I took a bite of my sandwich. And with a full mouth, I said, I'm tired of it. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, look to your right. I'm sitting in my truck and I looked. And I saw that first building we started in. Y'all remember that, Cherry? Y'all remember that? Didn't even have a for rent sign on it. It had a business card that you couldn't even read. And I looked and I, I, I kind of, until I got the number, called the guy. Now, we're talking about crucifying. Say, I crucified something at that moment. I said, God, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. 
And I crucified that thing. And immediately he said, look to your right, saw that little business card. We called the guy, and he gave us six months rent free. And he gave us, well, he got what he gave us. I can't remember now. You don't remember either. He gave us three months rent free and up to six months to pay full rent. And we paid full rent first month. God just started, boom, boom, just started adding to this thing. And what was, what was the point of that story? I'm trying to tell you that's how God works. Do you think that ram just randomly got caught in the bush? Provision was already made. Can I just explain something to you? We, we, we preach that as if God randomly found a ram and just translated him to that mountain. That's not what happened. From the moment that ram was conceived by other rams, it had a destiny to die in the place of a promise. Jesus from the foundations of the world had a destiny to die for a promise. You're the promise. If I could get y'all to understand that God gave you this word and he sowed Jesus because he wanted you so bad. Oh, I'm fixing it. I don't want to hurt your feelings. But God didn't want Jesus. He wanted you. But he had to sow Jesus as himself for you. The best seed as a firstborn son, the first, read Romans, of many sons. He wants you. And he wants you to walk just like Jesus walked. He wants you to win just like Jesus went. He wants you to live a life. Doesn't mean there's not going to be pressure. Everywhere Jesus went, there was a press. Everywhere he went, somebody was trying to argue with him. But he didn't get down in the mud with those that argued. He got down in the mud with those who needed him. Y'all are getting in the mud that people want to argue. And you're missing who needs you. You need you. You need your spirit to wake up and tell your soul to shut up so you can come up and be up and just have up. I'm tired of being down. I'm tired of looking at the faces of people who are being down. I'm tired of watching families be down because they don't understand that we've used this to be so religious we've taken life right out of it. You were never meant to have eternal life. Y'all, we say that as if it's something different. All that is is the flesh gone, but you're still living the heaven lifestyle. You just translated to another place. If I leave here today, when I leave here, immediately I'll go in there, I'll take this microphone off, I'll jump in the car, we'll do our best to get our kids home as fast as possible, I'll throw some clothes in the bag, I'll jump in a, a truck, and I'm going to head to Carthage, Mississippi. Dean Sykes is doing a big rally there, I've been invited, I'm going. I'm going to be Alan Bailey, the pastor of the gathering there, just like I am here. The same bank account that I have, I'm going to be able to use there, just like I can here. Eternal life, although it is eternal, the life part should start now. But it starts with crucifixion. Does this make any sense? This is what the crucifixion of Jesus did, and it was an example for you to crucify every problem you've got, every issue you've got, every flesh problem. We have a checking account. Her primary. That's a joke between us. It says, it says Alan and April Bailey. Or, or Alan or April Bailey. Or actually, your name's first because it's her money. 
I'm a conqueror, she's more than a conqueror. If I go by the bank tomorrow and I put $1,000 in that account, she wakes up Tuesday morning and checks her account on her phone what she's going to do. She's going to see what? Come on now. Y'all banking people, what? $1,000. What did she do to earn it? Nothing. Put up with me, but nothing. Because somebody with my name is connected and she has my name. So it's hers whether she put it there or not. You have the name Christian with a treasure of accounts that you don't even know are yours. Well, there you go about money. This ain't got nothing to do with money. If I can get you at peace, money will show up. I'm just going to tell you all something. I have learned that when I've, I lock myself in this church and do what God wants me to do, money's showing up. We're, we're walking in a new place. And the truth is, you have got to understand that this is more and has more power than any bank account you've ever had. This is a spiritual vault that holds everything you could ever need, but all you have to do is access it. Pastor, how do I access it? You have to understand who you are and who you're in and the royalty you have. Because let me tell you something. You ever watch them movies? You ever seen one of those movies where it's one of these princes or princesses and they, they just decide they want to find a real person so they just lose all their, their jewelry and they go act like a peasant? And then when they find whoever they want to, they find out who they are, they almost can't handle it. Whoever it is they went to find because they're normal, they can't handle it. How in the world? How am I supposed to do I don't know if I can handle all this. You don't have to handle nothing. See, you, you're missing the whole point. If you're the princess or the prince or the king, you don't handle nothing. You tell everybody else to well, Pastor, you're not just supposed to sit back. You have angels assigned to your life. The word says they hearken unto the voice of the word. Which means if you're saying what he's saying, when he tells you to say it, it's as if he's saying it. Which gives you access to an account, although you didn't do anything. You win. You just don't know it yet. You just don't know it yet. One more scripture. Philippians 1 and 21. Yeah, these are all scriptures. Listen, my whole point today is to take scriptures we've all heard a thousand times and give you the mindset behind, the, the spiritual mindset, not just stuff to preach. Okay, here we go. This is Paul speaking to the Philippians. For me to live, listen, now take, listen, listen. Take, take the word is out, okay? For me to live Christ and to die gain. This is not Paul saying, for me to live as Christ, and if they kill me, it's all good. No, no, no. For me to live as the anointed one in his anointing, to die to Paul and to live to Christ, to die brings me everything that I need crucified are y'all seeing this I know this is not normal funny laughing haha we're gonna have this is a foundation because in a few weeks you're gonna see the resurrection side of this thing and if you lose you're gonna realize hey wait a minute I just got taught you don't have to your boss don't decide what you make 
Come on now. Your, your, your life and your career doesn't decide who you are. That's just something you do. Listen, I understand the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. You need to really understand what that means. It means you've got to find the work that God's putting you into and go after that thing. That don't mean you get to lay around and live by faith and God's going to feed me hamburgers and I'm going to be lazy and watch football. It's not what that means. But it does mean if you're doing what God's telling you to do, He's bound to supernaturally supply. There's so many people that try to live by that that don't really know what God's saying to them and they're just putting pressure on everybody else to pay the bills. I shouldn't just said that out loud, but I did. I'm so tired of preachers. That, mm, they, I get texts every single week of itinerant preachers putting pressure on me to let them come preach, not because they have a word for you, but for an offering. That is not living by faith. Listen, I can say this from a place of peace and not feel like I'm judging anybody because I haven't received a salary from this church for 13 years. Y'all know my heart. I'll do it tomorrow whether you pay me or don't. I don't know a whole lot of ministers that'll do that. Well, you patting yourself on the back. Yeah, you're right, because I love Jesus. And if y'all can all get mad and walk away tomorrow, I'll put 20 more people in here and tell them Jesus loves them. Because it's about people doing better, not using Jesus to be lazy. That's why I don't like grace Pharisees. That's why I don't like living by faith falsely. I don't like those things. I like crucifying what's holding me back so I ain't got to be held back no more. And I like teaching people that you don't have to lose. Now, I got 10 minutes. Can I take 10? How do I shift, Pastor? How do I do it? How do I shift? I'm fixing to teach you how you do it. Can you give me... Give me Literally five minutes. You accept that when Jesus was put on that cross, you were there with him. Accept that you're not even really living and breathing, but it's him that's living and breathing through you. If you can accept that, well, that puts a lot of pressure on me to be spiritual. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It puts pressure on you to accept that there's something supernatural trying to work through you. And that you decide what you submit to on a daily basis. Listen, trust me, I, I know, I, I know y'all, y'all around people that just rub that flesh and, and make you, oh, I know, you just want to just kick them in the eye. I get it. But I had to make up my mind a long time ago. And I still lose in this, trust me. It's not something I win with all the time. But I've learned to live understanding that I can't lose the anointing on my life just to straighten you out. That to stand up here and to take this holy desk to get on to y'all is so wrong. And to beat you up for an offering is so wrong. And to make you feel less than is so wrong. And we take all these things and we've done them as preachers. And I ask you to forgive me on behalf of ministry because I am a part of a great college that we shouldn't do those things to you. But you shouldn't be so super sensitive that somebody that's still flesh could destroy your faith in Jesus. See, because what we've done is we've settled into problems again and resurrected what we don't like and not manifesting what we need. You'll never get to manifestation if you don't get through crucifixion first. Everybody comes in here and they get saved and, and all these churches around the world. And Matt Gerber used to say this, and, and, this, and Mac, I love him and I miss him so bad, but everything he ever said is still in here. And he said, son, 
You've got to know what you're getting them saved into. From what to what. And I'm so afraid that the majority of churches today are preaching the gospel so light that people don't know they can win. They hear they can win, but they don't know they can win. Well, you know, you, well, you, you know Pastor, how are we supposed to get there? You, you need to get in the Word, not just good, ear-tickling preaching. Because it's the Word that's going to change you. If you're going through hell on earth and you can't sit on the couch for 30 minutes and find a Word for you, you don't want out. I love you. Don't be mad at me. But if you're unwilling to get in this for a few minutes, you don't want free. If you don't want to get in this and get free, don't complain about somebody on food stamps. Because you're doing the same thing spiritually. This right here is your victory. Not the government. We live in the greatest nation ever created, no matter who's president. But that doesn't mean that you win or lose because you're an American. The truth is your identity is not in your country. It's in your faith. You don't see who you really are until you get into these pages and change. I have had to let this word work me over and crucify me and cut my flesh and slice me up and make me a person that I didn't even know existed. A few years ago, I didn't even know I could preach like this. Go back and listen to you. Well, some of y'all don't need to. Go back and listen to some of my old stuff. I was mean as a rattlesnake. Wasn't I? I was. I can admit it. <laughs> you ain't got to make it look so bad, doggone. But see, something happened. I fell in love with Jesus again. And that's enough. It really is. People get mad at me and leave, and, or they can fill this place up. Y'all can, can believe every word I say or call me a heretic. It doesn't change Jesus. Jesus loves me, this I know. Well, the Bible tells me so. See, we sing that little song in children's church, but do you really believe that? See, this is a good place to unhook. If you really believe that he loved you, then you would never say he's punishing me. I correct my kids. And, and in correction, sometimes there is what we call punishment. But see, what you call punishment is not directional. It's affectional. It affects everything you do. God's not punishing you. You ever seen those people that just do everything they can to cause problems in their life and they just don't realize they're doing it? That's what Christians are. We cause ourselves so many problems because we can't shut our mouth. We, we say things that we don't really understand what we're saying. Uh, you put yourself in situations, and I hear it all the time. All the time. People find out I'm a preacher, and, and it's a cleaning carpet and all the things that I do, and I go into places, and people are always spouting off scriptures. And, well, you know the Bible says, and they have no idea what the Bible says. And I just have to go, that's right. Because I'm not theirs. I'm their, you see what I'm saying? It's not my, I'm not their pastor. I'm supposed to be whipping somebody else's sheep. No, 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 no. My job is to lead you. And your job is to follow me as I follow him. Don't follow me off the cliff. Can I, can I just be honest? Don't follow me off the cliff. But follow me as I follow him. And I'm telling you, what I need you to see today is you have everything in Christ that you need. Now, people get mad when you say that because they don't know how to get there. I'm just telling you, over the next few weeks, I'm telling you how to get there. And it starts with crucifying. Whatever, well, Pastor, how do I know where to start? See, if you have to ask the question, how do I know where to start? You've got a lot of things need to go on that cross. 
I know exactly where Alan's got to start. But here's the thing. You start with what's screaming the most. You start with what's calling your name the most. Start with what you're dealing with the most. If, you're, if it's your attitude, fix it. Crucify that thing. If it, hey, don't look at me like that. She said, you got that, baby? <laughs> I want to say a few things and then we're out of here. And I'm speaking as a pastor to a group of people that I love with all my heart. Over the next two or three Sundays, this is going to seem, I know today has seemed a little more tougher than normal. I trust in your spirit, your understanding where I'm trying to get you. But my sons will tell you that I will push them till they drop, but they're thankful for it now. Because they're living, y'all at 24 and 25 years old, I ain't going to get into their personal life, but they live in baby. They don't worry about nothing. And by the time they're my age, they're going to be good. I'm talking about financially and set. I didn't have that. Y'all got to understand, my dad was gone when I was 12 years old. I didn't have anybody to push me. Now, I'm treating you like I treated them when they were small. I'm going to push you a little bit. Because next year, at this time next year, I want you looking at the new people sitting next to you and going, look, let's, let's, get, let's get this dealt with. I want you to come in here with such big smiles that this place is so magnetic. Not because it's just a happy place and we're doing great things and serving one. Then those are great, but because you have results that you teach people how to get into. That's my job. Do you understand? That's my, can, See, I love the fact that I've got a group of people I can just be honest with. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to say this and, and we're, we're done. I want you to see this. Uh, go to 2 Peter 1 and 3. And then this is our last scripture, Cameron. 2 Peter 1 and 3. It's our last one. I'm sorry, I told you I was done, but I, I got this jumping up in me. 2 Peter 1 and 3. According to his divine power, listen, has given unto us what? All things that pertain unto life, amen, and godliness, amen, through what? Knowledge. Do y'all see it? Not shouting, not confessing. Not even praying, knowing. My job is not to get you fired up. It's to get you knowing. And baby, when you know, you'll get fired up. Because you, now listen, once you know of who? Him that did what? Called you to glory. What is glory? Manifested promise. Can I get you to glory? Will y'all go with me for the next few weeks? Glory. Y'all learn anything today? Y'all stand to your feet. Let's pray. Come on, just, just begin to settle into worship. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name. Your mercies are new today. Your grace is at work in this room. The law is being perfected. We're walking in it, Lord. I thank you that the Old Testament, we, we have knowledge of knowing that the Old Testament was the New Testament concealed. But the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. We get to walk in the type and shadow, which means because of Jesus, it's done. We have the promise, Lord. Father, give us the wisdom. Give us the spiritual eyes and the understanding to see the things in our life that need to be crucified today. Now, church, I'm going to do something I've never, haven't done in a while. It's not that I've never done it, but I haven't done it in a while. We're going to open these altars up, and this is not, listen to me, this is not an altar call for me to lay hands on you. This is an opportunity for you to make a chair 
your altar, make these altars if you're comfortable with coming to the front. But you need to make a significant move, not for Jesus, and I hear this in my spirit, but for yourself. You need to make a step of faith for him to begin to help you crucify whatever it is that's holding you back. Today, we are becoming unstuck. So in the name of Jesus... Over the next few minutes, I just want you to make an altar out of the chair in front of you. Or if you need to come to these altars and get some things clear between you and the Lord. Or you just need to lay down before the Lord and say, God, fix me. Show me what I need to fix. If that's you, just begin to move. Y'all, if, you need to, if you're uncomfortable coming to the front, just make the, uh, a chair in front of you. and I'll Just whatever it is you need to do. But I'm telling you, you need to make a move because God's trying to really work some things out. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's paying attention to you. We all, every single one of us in this room have some things we need to fix. From the pastor to the soundboard, from the children's church to this wall, all of us have things. There is no judgment in this house. And it's time, in the mighty name of Jesus, Father, all of us, I ask you, Lord, to open the eyes of our understanding that we will be enlightened to see where we need to start. Some of us have so many things we need to fix it can get overwhelming. God, I ask you just to deal with us in in singularity, just the one thing that needs to be fixed, whether it's our mouth, whether it's what we put our eyes on, whether it's who we hang around, whether it's what we listen to, whether it's what we put in our body. That's between you and us, Lord. It's not anybody else's business. But I ask you to help us today. Help us, Lord, not to be so religious and so focused on anything other than and what you want us to do. God, I ask you right now. Oh, Lord, these wonderful people that have made an effort. They've made a step. There's impartation taking place right now in the name of Jesus. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. You are good. You are good to us, Lord. You are good to us, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we have the knowing that you're for us and not against us. That you're fixing us today, God. You're fixing us, oh Lord. You're fixing the things inside of us that are broken. Crucifying the flesh that's held us that's, that's stopped us, that's, that's made us feel like we couldn't be better, that's made us not want to be even connected to you because, Lord, we don't want the pressure. We let go of all that and we accept the simple fact that you're for us. And if you're for us, our own flesh can't even be against us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Glory to your name, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Every person, whether they're at this altar or at their chair, I speak life. The eternal kingdom, heavenly style of living. In Jesus' name. 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 Glory to God. Ooh, there's such an anointing that's seeping into this room right now.
<laughs> yes, Lord, I'll tell them that. I'll tell them that. Those of you that are at this altar on your knees, and, and some of us are standing, I just saw very clearly in my spirit. I'm going to say what the Lord told me to say, and then we're going to begin the process of releasing because I could feel, I could feel a direction of what we're supposed to do next. You let, listen to me now, you let worship and honor drive you to your knees. But you never again let worry, regret, and pain put you on your knees. You stand with your hands up knowing who you are. And that it may come. There's not a promise that it won't come. But there is a promise that he says, I'll be your shield and your buckler. And in the name of Jesus, the shield of faith is at work. <sighs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Pastor, I'm not used to this. I don't, listen, I don't need you to be used to anything. That's the problem. We get too used to services. I need you to entertain his presence. Oh, I bless you, Lord. <laughs> Whoo, we win, church. We win. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Ah, oh, bless you, Lord. I tell you what, this altar is full, full, full of glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's a release. It's a slow release, but it's taking place in the spirit right now. April, will you come up here and stand with me, hon? As your pastors, we're just going to come into agreement that not only as, as we teach you, but we want to go forward and we want to learn and we want to grow. Father, in the name of Jesus, as the pastors of this church, as one flesh, Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus to, to continue your work as you teach us how to grow this ministry and to grow people and to love them where they are that we don't get so caught up in doing the church work that we're so focused on being a full-time minister that we become, we become part-time followers of Christ. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, we stand together and under your direction and under the ears of these people and their, and their hearing, they hear me say this, we crucify the pride of ministry in Jesus' name. And we ask you, Lord, that we have such humble hearts to only help and do what we can through you and to see lives changed not because we're great ministers but because you're a great God. Give us the wisdom and the understanding to love people where they're at but to teach them to come out of it and to walk in a kingdom lifestyle. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all learn anything today? God is so good. Y'all sense that anointing? Ooh, I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now, God's doing a work. God is doing a work. 
y'all, I, I see so clearly in my spirit when the Lord said to never again let pain drive you to your knees. You realize, do you realize when you go to your knees to ask God for help because of pain and hurt, you, gave, you give pain and hurt the victory? I saw it so clear that you go to your knees because you already have it. But you stand in its face. I'm serious now. Let me tell you something. There was a time, I've told you all this story before. There was a time where a guy had a big old hook knife and he was cutting on our, our mailbox. And April, it never even crossed her mind that he may attack her. She hit the door because her babies are inside. And she goes after this guy. What are you doing to my property? Why are you near my kids and all this kind of stuff? Well, he comes up the driveway at her with this knife. I'm here. She's at home. It never crossed her mind that he was going to hurt her. She's about to whoop him. Look at her. She said, that's right. Y'all understand that's the kind of tenacity God wants in his people? That it doesn't matter if it looks like the enemy's got two machine guns and a hand grenade. You get in its face. Because let me just go ahead and just, can, can I just pull the curtain back on this spiritual thing? Satan ain't after you. He's not omnipresent like God. He's got little imps bothering you. That's why the Bible says it's the little foxes. But they seem so big because you're feeding them. All the feeding days in today. Ooh, it's t- I, I, we need to serve notice on Satan that his folk going to starve. You ain't giving them no more food. The serpents will not become dragons in this church.